I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Life is full of awesome what ifs and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out-of-pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself. And for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If. Only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news... All right, I'll do. It. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. You're listening to Side Hustle Pro. The podcast that teaches you to build and grow your side hustle from passion project to profitable business. And I'm your host, Nikayla Matthews Okome. So let's get started. Hey guys, hey, welcome, welcome back to the show. It's Nikayla here. And today in the guest chair, I have Janae Marks. Janae is the critically acclaimed author of middle grade novels from the desk of Zoe Washington, A Soft Place to Land, and On Air with Zoe Washington, which releases on February 14th, 2023. Janae is also part of the middle grade anthology Hope Wins, edited by Rose Brock, and her novels have been named Best Book of the Year by Parents Magazine, Chicago Public Library, the Boston Globe, the Bank Street College of Education, and others. And From the Desk of Zoe Washington is currently in development with Disney-branded television to become an original movie executive produced by Kerry Washington. Janae grew up in the New York City suburbs, where she loved to read and write and she holds a BA in English literature from Tufts University and a Master of Fine Arts in Writing for Children from the New School. So Janae and I actually met through her cousin Marlena who is my line sister and um, just my dear friend who has always shared with me bits and pieces of Janae's journey and of course we've seen each other at gatherings and I've always been inspired by from afar and followed along and once the books came out I was so excited about them and to actually see them in the store on bookshelves 
And more and more, I've wanted to feature an author on the show. So it was just perfect timing for me to finally reach out to Janae to have her in the guest chair. And I'm so excited that she said yes. You guys, this episode was really educational for me. And it was also a reminder of how important it is to treasure your side hustle when it's just a side hustle. Because the time will come when it's a busy business that requires so much of you, deadlines and stakeholders and all this other stuff. But it's that creative time, that passion time when you can just be free to develop it as you wish that is building the building blocks and the foundation for what is to come. So enjoy it. And now let's get right into it. Hello, Janae. Welcome to the guest chair of Side Hustle Pro. Hello. Thank you so much for having me. Oh, of course. Of (laughs) course. Now, I already told the fun fact in your intro about how we know each other. (laughs) But what I don't know is how this whole writing, author, publishing world works, right? And I would love to know, like, first things first, you have a BA in English literature, and then you have your Master of Fine Arts in writing for children. So did you always kind of see yourself as an author one day? So I did not always see myself as an author. When I was a kid, I definitely loved to read a lot. I was always an avid reader, and I did enjoy writing for fun as a kid, but I did not yeah. think um, that I would become an author um, when I was growing up. I just It was just something I did on the side for fun. When I went to college, I became an English major and started taking creative writing classes. That's where it started to be more of an interest to me, and I started to realize that I could actually do this. And I, when I was in college, I actually really wanted to study English to go into working and publishing. So like behind the scenes oh, okay. at a publishing house. And I did do that for the first seven years out of college. Um, but, you know, in being in these creative writing classes and even also just being at that public, once I actually started working for one of the publishers, I worked for Simon & Schuster, you know, seeing all the books on the shelves um, and realizing how much I did enjoy creative writing, I started to yeah. see like, oh, that would be really cool if I could be one of those authors that we, you know, the, whose books we publish here and things like that. So I would say the the dream started probably in college and then got even more when I when I decided to go back to school to get that master's. It's so amazing. You work for Simon and Schuster, which is like one of the most well-known publishers. I mean, even I know that and I haven't uh, worked in publishing whatsoever. Um, as you were there, did you start writing on the side like the first few years or were you just focused on doing your work and being the best that you could be at your job? Um, I, you know, I definitely still try to do my best at work, but I also was at that time writing on the side. Um, I went to, so the master's program I went to, I worked at the same time. So I was working at Simon Schuster okay. and getting that master's degree because fortunately the new school where I went, all of the classes were at night um, for the graduates. Mm. So it was really easy. It was challenging to juggle the two, but it was possible. Like I could go from work to a class, you know, a couple times a week and then whatever else. Um, so yeah, I was doing a lot of writing on the side after work. I would go to coffee shops, you know, things like that. Um, this is when I was still living in New York. And then, um, you know, on the weekends, you know, I, a lot of my weekend time had to go to writing um, in wow. between other things. So yeah, I definitely felt more like a side hustle at that time, especially because I wasn't, yeah. you know, at that point, I was still aspiring to be published. I was aspiring. still trying to figure it all out. <laughs> Did you have to have a complete book by the end of your master's program? Like, did the beginnings of your first novel come through the program? Yeah, they did. Um, The first novel that I wrote that it did not end up getting published. So 
the book, the first book that got published was actually the fourth book that I ever wrote. Um, oh, wow. So I wrote that first book back in, you know, that first book that never ended up going anywhere. Um, <laughs> and I started it in the master's program. I didn't finish it during the program because they didn't have a requirement that you had to have a full book. You just had to have a certain okay. number of pages. Um, uh-huh. So I was kind of working on different things throughout the program. So I kind of started really working on this book toward the end of the program. And so I got, you know, a good chunk of it done. And then I finished it after the program with the help of a lot of the, um, you know, the same writer friends that I made in the program, they continued to be my critique partners for years to come. So we kind of, you know, continued to share my work with them and find other ways to continue learning and getting feedback, you know, even after the program was done. Um, and so, yeah, so it took a long time, though, for me to get published. I had to write four books. And this was over the course of like 10 years because I graduated wow. from or I started the program in the master's program in 2008, graduated okay. in 2010 but didn't get my first book deal until 2018. So it was another- I love that you shared that timeline. Yes. (laughs) Yeah, it was another eight years after graduating. And I was, I honestly thought, you know, because there's so many alumni from my graduate program who go off to publish immediately after, I really thought I was gonna be one of those people. I was like, yeah, you know, I'm gonna graduate, you know, I'm gonna get discovered. And then it didn't happen that way. So I definitely talk about this a lot when I do school visits with kids that, it's okay if your journey takes a longer time, yes. you know, or if there's a lot of twists and turns along the way. It's fine. Oh, it's yes. normal for most people. You just got to keep going. Perseverance is so key to all of it. It's so. normal. Yes. Yeah. Normalize that, that this like idea that you're going to come out and especially in our 20s, right? We think everything's supposed yeah. to just happen in our 20s, like boom, boom, boom. But a lot of stuff starts to come together as you get older, as you have the experience under your belt. So you have four books under your belt. As you were writing those books, what was it about those first books that made them not get published? Yeah, I think the first one for, well, first of all, I think it took me a few books in to realize what I was meant to be writing. So the two, Mm. all the novels that I've published that have actually gotten published have all been middle grade. And that is for the age range, eight to 12. So typically the main characters around 12 years old. So think about like, you know, the the books you might've read in middle school. Right. And I was writing slightly older stuff, the stuff that I wrote in graduate school and then a couple books after that were all young adult, which is slightly older, you know, teens, because that was what was so popular with Twilight and um, The Hunger Games being so popular. Like I just and I was working at Simon & Schuster in the children's division. There's so many YA books on the shelves. I thought that's what I wanted to write. But um, I think part of it may have been that my voice really wasn't right for it. I think my voice kind of skewed younger. Um, So that might have been one thing. It was just a lot of, I think it really just was not the right story at the right time kind of a situation. I think I, you know, I knew that I was a good writer still. I got a lot of really good feedback. So when you want to get published, the first step traditionally, the first step is to get a literary agent. So I'm sending out these book, these first books to literary agents in the hopes that they'll want to represent me. And a lot of them would give me nice feedback on those earlier projects. Like they would say, like, I liked the writing, you know, I liked the characters, but they would say, but this book just wasn't something about it just didn't feel marketable or you know it was maybe too quiet or they just didn't know who they would sell it to so there's a lot of things that are out of your control as a writer because it's a lot about the market what they think will sell um you know so i think what ended up happening is i started writing from the desk of zoe washington which is my debut and i thought it was also going to be a young adult novel but a critique partner gave me this feedback that you know it sounded like it actually could be a good middle grade book and so i switched And I think that was kind of the key for me, realizing that I should have been writing for a younger audience. And so that one 
I mean, for multiple reasons, was much more successful. Yes. But also, like, every book, you get better. You know, those. I, I look back right. at that first book, and I don't actually think, you know, it's fine. But, like, I'm kind of glad <laughs> it didn't publish. You know, yeah. it feels very, like, not great compared to anything I've done now, you know? so That is very insightful. And it's interesting that you touched on a few things that I want to center right now. So, number one the voice like it takes time to cultivate yeah, that voice and you know something. who you're writing yeah. for it, it just doesn't happen right away right also timing timing is so key and then also and luck, you started really, too yeah. and luck and mm-hmm. then you start talking about the process so those who are interested in writing and you know people have been asking me for an author on the show for a while so those who are interested in writing want to know about the process so you mentioned literary agents but plural so i always thought okay you go out there and you try to find one agent. When you yeah. said you shopped it to agents, what does that mean? Like, how does that process work? So essentially in order to find one that will represent you, you have to send your work out to as many as you can. Cause what okay. they do, the process of querying them, they call it querying, is you send them, you you, you make a list of all the agents that you might want to have. Like if, if any of these were to say yes, you'd be happy to, ha- to work with one of them. Okay. Um, and you send them out, you know, basically an email, that is a summary of what project you're sending them, a little bit about yourself, why you think they would be a good fit for you as a client. You send them a sample of your of your book, um, depending okay. what they want, and you email that out. And so the process of querying means sending out these emails. You know, I would send them out in like batches of 10 and then waiting for Ooh. responses. And sometimes they would respond to say, I'm sorry, like just based on this, on your pitch alone, like, no, but thank you for reaching out. Or they'll like, say, <laughs> oh, wow. you know, oh, this sounds good. Can you, I read the sample pages. Can you send me the rest? Can I read the rest of the book? Um, and then so you get one, either but it takes months to get these responses sometimes, you know, so um, it's just a process. And as you go through it, eventually, if they read the whole book, um, they'll again, either say, you know, I read the whole book. Unfortunately, it's, it's not right for me, but you know, whatever. Or they'll say, actually, I love this. I would love to represent you. Wow. And that's ultimately what ended up happening with the Zoe Washington book when I because I sent out my first novel, the one that I started in graduate school out mm-hmm. to I want to say like at least like 50 agents, you know, wow. in batches waiting to hear from them, sometimes doing revisions based on feedback I got from them. And in the end, all of them ended up saying no. So, you know, it's obviously hard. And this is months. It takes time to even hear from all of them. But then years later, when I sent out from the desk of Zoe Washington, I sent it out to maybe 12 agents total before I started getting offers. And I ended up getting offers from more than one agent. So I had to choose. I got to choose which one I wanted to sign with. So that's a turnaround, which kind of goes to show why that perseverance and just keep going, keep writing eventually could lead you right um, to really great places so and did any of the agents you pitched uh zoe washington to were they people that you circled back with so they had seen your writing before and then they just liked this project yeah more? there are a couple where they said oh i really like your writing this just isn't the right story for me and then i kept them in mind okay so next time yep. i have something i'll send it to them i didn't end up signing with somebody that i had read my previous work just because i don't think that person was an agent like eight years before um okay but but yeah like i definitely reached out to agents that i had reached out to before who were kind and even if they sent a rejection did so in a mm-hmm. way that made me feel like okay they might be willing to see more from me and yes. maybe it's just that this isn't the right story but if i have a better story they might be willing to wow i just learned so much from just that <laughs> explanation i think sometimes I would be, if I didn't know this, I would be intimidated and also kind of think, oh, let me just wait to hear back from 10, not knowing that I need to just keep on sending it. Yeah, I mean, it is good to hear, wait to hear back from a few. I I advise Mm -hmm. not to send out all 50 at once because sometimes you do get feedback from them. And so that feedback Mm -hmm. can help you make some changes before you send it out Uh, to the next batch. So it is good to, you know, send out a few at a time, whatever you feel comfortable with. 
Um, and wait till you get some responses before sending out more. That's usually got the advice it, got that it, got people it. give. But yeah, I mean, it's definitely a lot to learn about publishing. It's not something that is obvious to most people. Yes. So I, you know, I definitely took advantage of all the information online. Obviously, in my master's program, we touched upon some stuff, but also afterwards, I joined. Um, there are a lot of writing organizations um, that you know have chapters, or either are based online, or even if they have in person, they have chapters all over the country. I ended up joining one called the Society of Children's Book Writers and Illustrators, and so it's like this, you know, organization to help aspiring writers um, kind of get all the knowledge they need, and they bring oh, in a lot amazing. of amazing. They'll bring in you know editors and agents to come to conferences to talk to us about the different things. So I definitely took advantage of that, and there are organizations like that for all kinds of writing and depending on what you want to do. Mm. So what does a literary agent actually do? So since you worked internally at Simon and Schuster, I'm sure you are more familiar with this process, but are they the ones that pitch your book to the major publishers? Exactly. Yeah. So they form relationships with editors and the major publisher houses won't take submissions directly from writers because, you know, they're so big and they would just get in yep. flooded, flooded with too many people, too many submissions. So instead, they rely on agents to essentially be that first step to kind of tell vet. them. Yeah, vet it essentially. And yep. if they get a submission from an, an agent and that agent already has a good relationship with that editor, meaning they've talked about what they like, and what they don't like then that editor is going to be like, oh, I already know that this editor agent knows what I'm into. I'm going to really pay attention to this. Um, so it helps. It definitely helps you your work be seen. Um, so yeah, they're kind of handling the business side of things for you. Like they submit it to the publishers, that whole process, which also involves waiting often, you know, like waiting to hear mm -hmm. back from the editors. And then yeah. once the book sells, they handle the contract, you know, making sure that all the terms are ideal for you. They have your best mm -hmm. interest in mind. Um, one thing to keep in mind about agents is that agents only get paid when you get paid. They get a, a cut of your pay. Never yep. pay an agent to represent you. There are a lot of okay. aspiring writers who don't know that. Like, And they'll find out that, oh, this agent said I could just pay them this much and they'll be my agent. No. <laughs> oh, the no. money flows to the author. So they just get a cut of whatever you make. It, you don't actually okay. pay them anything directly. So they take care of the contract and then any other sort of businessy things. Sometimes agents will help you with foreign rights. So if your book mm -hmm. sells in the U.S., and you want to try to get it sold to a country where they'll translate it, they'll take care of that often. So yeah, there's different things they'll do, but that's essentially, they take care of like the business, the money, helping make sure you're yeah. you know, being taken care of by your publisher. Did you ever think about self-publishing? If so, why or why not? So I did not only, mainly because there really isn't a huge market for self-publishing children's books. I mean, people do it, okay. but you're not necessarily, you're probably having a lot harder time getting seen by your readers because you really rely, like the people who are buying books for their kids or teachers or librarians, like they're relying on your book being in the library or a physical bookstore or on Amazon. I mean, yes, of course there's Amazon or online retailers that if you self-publish, your books can get on there. But I think that brick and mortar store, you know, and libraries is where a lot of parents, teachers go to get books for their classrooms and homes. And so I, th that's where the market is. And, you know, I, again, having worked for Simon Schuster, I just aspired to be like those authors. It was like, yes. I, I saw, I, you know, I got to see behind the scenes and it was so cool. And even when they would come in sometimes and, you know, for, I don't know, like a meeting, they would bring in an author and I'd be like, oh, I want to be, you know, like, it's just, you <laughs> want to be them. I didn't want to. And also the other thing about self-publishing is 
so yeah. much of the marketing, the sales, even the designing like of the book comes mm-hmm. on you. Like you have to pay yes. for that to be done. Yes. While if you get the publisher, they'll take care of that. Um, right. So I think just for the kind of book that I'm writing, I think there are a lot of successful self-published like adult romance books, um, thriller books. You know, I think adult books in general just do a lot better with that because I think adults, they have their Kindle. They don't care. They're just going to grab the book. But I think right. for kids, you know, it makes sense to be in bookstores and libraries they can find you easier that is true you do raise an important point because adults we can go online and we can buy it anywhere we see it yeah. on instagram boom kids can't you know find yeah, your book gatekeepers. The they call them gatekeepers there's these gatekeepers yeah. that have to help the kids find your book so you need to make sure you know they know where to find it with that said it is challenging right so as you were doing all this you're still working full-time how are you navigating the process of all this while working, while continuing, I'm sure, revisions of your book, right? Yeah. So in the beginning, before I was published, it was a little bit easier because I didn't have a deadline. I could just work on things. It was still, you know, I had to make a point to dedicate time to do what I wanted to do, but it was on my own schedule. You know, I could say, all right, I'm going to, after work today, I'll just stop by, you know, Starbucks and I'll just like work for a few hours or, you know, on a Saturday morning, I'll meet a friend at a coffee shop or something. Um, And And then once I got the book deal, though, that's when it got more challenging um, because it's like now I have a deadline like they you know, I sent them the book and now they've given me this edit letter and I have to give the, the, you know, the revision back to them in time. Um, And so that's when it got to be more challenging. Um, Fortunately, by that point, I was I switched down to part time because I had my daughter by then and I had switched jobs. So I wasn't working in publishing anymore. Um, I was working here in Connecticut where we had moved and uh, it was a part-time job. And so that helps because at three days a week, I was going in two days a week, I was home. And at the time when I was writing my debut and and editing it, she was really little. So she still napped. um, So I would take advantage of nap times. Um, I often, even this is like definitely pre-pandemic times, but I used to wake up early on purpose. um, to get (laughs) I like can't do that anymore. I feel like I got, the pandemic broke me, but um, I used to be able to wake up. I used to want to wake up early and just like want to be up and now I'm too tired for that. But, um, but yeah, so I'd wake up early and write before work, before Luna would get up, my daughter, um, and stuff like that. So I, um, yeah, so I, and then I would take advantage again of evenings sometimes, although it's hard. I'm more of a, I would be more of a wake up early than an evening work after bedtime person. Cause I'm not much of a night owl. I can relate to I that. I definitely right? took advantage of weekends. Um, and fortunately okay. my husband was, you know, willing to kind of be like, all right, like you can go, like, I don't mind, you know, taking over parenting for the day or whatever. Um, so I would go to, you know, again, the library or a coffee shop, leave the house essentially, um, yes. or I can get more work done on the weekends. So that's how it was for, um, that amount of time. And then when my daughter got to preschool and was going to a place I, and I had my two days free, those two days off of work, that's when I would get the bulk of my work done. And that was really got helpful. Um, so yeah, that's kind of how I was doing it while juggling things. Um, but, you know, it's definitely challenging. And, and honestly, like a lot of authors, that's what they do. They don't have the ability to leave their jobs. Um, some do, obviously, but a lot don't. So a lot of them do yeah. have to just figure out the times, you know, right. in the morning and the evenings on the weekends. And squeeze it in. That's yeah. that's the side hustle life we talk yeah. about around here, like squeezing it in. And is it helpful to have like a partner in this? Like he talks about meeting up with a friend, just someone who is on that journey with you. So yeah. you guys can like touch base. And yeah, yeah I think in this field, you know, it's such a solitary thing. Being an author, you're just sitting there with your own 
computer and not really yeah. talking to anybody. And so um, I think it can be good to make friends who are doing similar things. That way you can just meet up with them. And even if you're just on your computers quietly, you can chat mm-hmm. in between, you know, your writing sessions. Um, you can talk about what you're going through, how that compares to what they're going through. You can feel less alone. Um, so, yeah, I definitely made a lot of writing friends along the way, some local and the local yeah. ones. We made a point, especially before the pandemic, to meet up. You know, we would meet at Panera once or twice a month where it's you could just park there at a seat for a long time and they don't seem to care so um and also another thing we would do is um writing retreats so we would um you know i said this to my husband one of my husband's friends and they're like writing retreat is that just like a a way of saying like you a mom are just like going off and at a spot i'm like no we work at these retreats like we work it's not really it's a retreat but it's not anyway so we basically would you know, as soon as you throw in the word retreat, it's I like, know. he was like, is this just your way of saying you just want to like get away from parenting? I was like, no, I have work to do. Um, but we would rent an Airbnb, you know, um, mm-hmm. driving distance, very inexpensive and just, you know, yeah. split it and just like go there for the long week, maybe from Friday to Sunday or Friday to Monday and, and spend majority of our time writing. And of course we would chat yes. in between and maybe eat, eat all our meals together and hang out, but right. we also get a lot of work done and that's been super helpful that. over the years too. Uh, I think a lot of people, listen, I'm going to steal that idea. It, it yeah, doesn't just have to be for writing, a, yeah, working, a working retreat. Retreat. Okay, guys, yeah. let's do this. Yeah. Okay. One, that accountability, once a year. That accountability yeah. of somebody you just look across and that other person is like focused on what they're doing. Yes. It keeps you focused. I even do it on zoom. Now there's a few, you know, mm-hmm. now that we're, you know, in this post pandemic lifestyle, um, yeah. I've kind of connected with some writers or we'll just hop on a zoom and just be like, we even just mute ourselves and turn off our cameras during the writing session. But it's like, you know, that we'll check in with each other in 30 minutes. So you don't want to be like in 30 minutes. Well, I didn't do anything, you know, so you I went on Instagram like, for a little bit. <laughs> exactly. You're like, okay, I'm going to do the work. So I yes. highly recommend no matter what you do, like I, I even met up at this. coffee shops with other people who sure. don't write. Yeah. I've met up with other friends who don't write at coffee shops too. Just say like, Hey, if you have work to get done, we can meet, you know, we can meet up and Yes, I love this. So let's talk a little bit about your debut novel. Now, now you're up to three, right? But let's Mm -hmm. go back to the original, the first one. So tell us about the premise and, you know, your inspiration for writing it. Sure. So From the Desk of Zoe Washington is about 12-year-old Zoe. She is really into baking and aspires to, um, her big dream is to win this kids baking competition on the Food Network called Big Kid Bake Challenge. Um, But on her 12th birthday, she unexpectedly receives a letter from her father, who she's actually never met before because he's been in prison her whole life. Um, And so she decides to write back and in getting to know him through their back and forth letters, she ends Mm. up finding out something pretty surprising to her, which is that he might be innocent of his crime. And so then the rest of the book is a mystery as she tries to uncover the truth about what happened to him. So that's what From the Desk of Zoe Washington is all about. I love that. That's such a unique and, you know, very specific twist. So what inspired you to make this the background? Yeah, so I... Back in 2014, was really into this podcast. I don't know if you listened to it, Serial, S-E-R-I-A-L. Everybody was obsessed with it back then, um, that case that they shared in the first season. And it was essentially, you know, a a case of a possible wrongful conviction, which I think has now kind of maybe been proven to be a wrongful conviction because the guy has been released. But Yeah, yeah, he's been released. (laughs) Yeah, so at the time, you know, it was like a question of whether or not he was. But it was a super compelling podcast. And it just got me thinking about this idea of wrongful convictions. And so I started just Mm -hmm. looking, you know, I had this germ of an idea, like, what if I wrote about something that involves that? And started doing research about, you know, um, learning more about this problem. And then again, because I like writing for kids, I automatically thought of like, what would it be like to be the kid of somebody in this position? Um, And it kind of just started like piecing together some details from there. Um, 
And yeah, that was kind of the first inspiration. And then, you know, I added other things like the baking I added because I knew this being such a, you know, like a intense topic, um, you know, <laughs> for kids, it would be nice to have some other things in there to kind of like, you know, have some moments of levity. So there's definitely a lot yes. of baking throughout. So, at, you know, as you're reading it, it doesn't feel all intense and, you know, and serious all the time. Um, and there's also a friendship story because friendship stories are very common in, in young books. But also like when I was in middle school, friendship drama was definitely a thing. <laughs> of course. Yeah, so I That's just kind of put together off, different yep. things. But yeah, it was kind of really serial. That podcast kind of was the first spark for me. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Life is full of awesome what-ifs, and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out-of-pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. We all carry around different stressors, and when we keep them bottled up, it affects us negatively. I have found that therapy has been a safe space to get things off my chest. I had my daughter last August, and by January, I hit up my therapist like, let's go ahead and set up this monthly session. Therapy has been so helpful for me in setting boundaries, and it just empowers me to be the best version of myself. So if you're thinking of starting therapy, this is your sign to go ahead and do it and give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online and designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist, and you can switch therapists anytime for no additional charge. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash HustlePro today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P.com slash HustlePro. So once the literary agent took you on as a client, what happened next? Like, what was the process and how long did it take to go from there to being published? Yeah, so this actually was where things got really fast. Um, So it was like a very long, drawn out process for me to get an agent in the first place. Like like I said, years. But then I signed with the agent in early or let's say I think early December 2017. So we're we're coming up on the anniversary of that. 
And then he, uh, my agent read, you know, he read the draft again. And sometimes agents will have you revise with them again um, after they sign you because maybe they feel like they have some additional feedback to give. But he, in this case, he said he felt like it was good enough to send out to editors. Let's let them, you know, just get it and they can give their feedback. Um, and so he sent it out, I want to say like an early tw- 2018. So after the new year. And within a few weeks, we had our first offer. So it was like so fast. And then what ends up happening was, and actually the funny thing is the first offer was from um, Simon & Schuster. Um, (laughs) And and it was actually somebody I knew. So like that one was kind of like, you know, that was like the one connection I had was I have this friend who still edits there. But um, it ended up not, you know, it ended up becoming a a bigger thing because once they got the Mm -hmm. one offer, the agent went and sent it out sent that news to all the remaining editors who were still considering okay. it and said, hey, if you want to put in an offer, here is your deadline. Essentially, it became an auction, what they call in the, in the literary book world, like an, a literary auction. Like So essentially, you're telling okay. the publishers, if you want to put your bid in, here's the deadline, enter it in, and then we'll we'll take a look at all of them and we'll decide. And so um, that's what ended up happening. So multiple publishers ended up, um, other publishers ended up putting in a bid. And so we ended up with five offer, offers. Um, that I got to choose between. And wow. we ended up going with HarperCollins, even though it was kind of sad not to go with Simon Schuster, just because their offer, honestly, was just better. Um, so it was, at, at that point, it was I had to just kind of be like a combination of a business decision, but also I really liked the editor as well. And she had some really yes. great feedback. So yeah, so again, it, that was a whirlwind. So I think by yeah, March, that- it was all settled. And that was like only wow. a few months after getting an agent in the first place. So you mentioned editor and publisher kind of interchangeably. Is the editor the decision maker at the publisher? Kind of. They're the one who sort of is mostly in charge of your book at the publishing house. They're the ones who are kind of you know, there are other teams that will touch your book, you know, obviously, like publicity and marketing will help do stuff with your book. But like your editor is the one at the publishing house who's like is in charge of your book. So they're working with the other teams and departments, but they're the ones who offer on the book, who edit the book and who kind of make sure that all those other steps are taking place before, you know, in okay. a time for it to come out. So having That's a good cool. relationship with your editor is important because, you know, they're going to be the ones who within the publishing house will be making sure that everybody else is excited about it. Like if they're excited, then they'll go to all those meetings that they have in house and like yep. share that excitement and then everybody else will be excited. So it's like they, you need to have that kind of editor who like really, you know, fight for you behind the scenes to yeah. make sure you get the best that you can get at the publishing house. Cause even just within publishing, once you get that deal, not everything's created equal. Not every, every right. book can get the same amount of attention, marketing right. dollars, et cetera. And so yep. having an editor push for you helps a lot. Yes. I'm so glad you mentioned that because we see it. We see it with everything, whether it's TV, film, like not everything gets the same amount of promotion and marketing. But, you know, let's just take a second to, first of all, just congratulating you. I mean, just how exciting, (laughs) how exciting was that to like get an offer from a publishing house and be about to, you know, see your book published? (laughs) Yeah. I mean, it definitely was a whirlwind, dream come true moment. Honestly, like hard to believe at times. Yeah. 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 Now, and then once you got the offer, how long until it was published? So then it was two years. So oh. it's a long, <laughs> it's a long process. So it sold like June. <laughs> no, it's such a long process. So it was yeah. January. I would say like February or so of 2018, March. It didn't come out until January 2020. Wow. So, and that's normal. Books usually take about 18 months to two years to come okay. out. Like, um, it can be faster for subsequent books, you know, um, right, because you right. would have that relationship with your editor potentially if they buy your next book and it's a quick, or it could be a quicker process. But uh-huh. um, with this, 
it was a long process. We had to, you know, we ended up waiting. Like, there's a lot of things that happen behind the scenes, even yes. before you start editing. Like, they had to wait for the contract to be negotiated. Right. So we didn't even, like, announce it until that was happening. And then we um, started the edits. And the edits, we do multiple rounds with your editor. So mm -hmm. that takes months because you're going back and forth. And then there's a certain part where you're done, like you've done everything you need to do, but then there's other teams doing things like the sale, the publicity, the marketing, the, right. the designers with the design, the cover, you know, there's other things that they have to do and yes. they project really far out. So they know way in advance what books are coming out. So it's like, okay. you know, if they knew in, in the winter, you know, beginning part of 2018, what books were going to be coming out two years later. So that's like the list they uh. put it on. So they like position things based on, you know, certain they put certain books out during certain times of year and so they start creating these lists and they know so far ahead like i'm currently right now editing or going to be start editing soon the book that's going to come out in 2024 so it's like they know wow. way far in advance how far you know what books are going to be coming um that is incredible I, I i guess i've kind of heard of the timeline but you know i for some reason just didn't fully wrap my mind around it and um that's even more impressive janae because here you are you got published in 2020 january right before the pandemic know, right hit and, the pandemic. and for it to have just been as successful as it is i mean because we know it's not just about we know that you're an amazing writer right it's not just it like all these things all these factors have to collide to support this book getting the attention that it deserves, especially in a really hectic time yeah, in the world. So what do you think was part of the success? Like, was it your amazing team at HarperCollins or are there certain things that you did like virtual book tours that helped with the success of your inaugural book? Yeah, I think it was a combination of things. The publisher definitely did a lot. Um, they really did support the book from the beginning. So I was fortunate that even though I was a debut author, they really yeah. did. They were very excited um, about so, the book. The sales team was excited. And that's the team that you want to be most excited because then they're going to go out and make sure all the bookstores know about it and buy it. Um, so I think that helped a lot. They did a lot of, um, you know, like, different publicity things and marketing things, you know, behind the scenes to help make sure that the gatekeepers that we're talking about know about it. Um, right. And then I think, so that was part of it. And then, um, and actually I was supposed to even go on a book tour like that they were sponsoring with two other yeah. middle grade authors. And it was supposed to be basically like the week of March, whatever, that everything shut down. So yes, it obviously yes, got canceled. Yes. <laughs> but, um, it was very cool that they thought of me to be part of it. So I was like, ah, oh, at least I got invited to be on a tour, even if I didn't get to go on it. Um, so yeah, I did end up pivoting a lot of things to virtual. That might have helped too. Um, but I think mm -hmm. one of the big things, which is kind of a weird thing, is that 2020 was also the year that like the Black Lives Matter movement, you know, had a resurgence and a lot more people, there was that like hashtag amplify black voices and like all these initiatives that people were doing to try to um, promote black books and stories yes. and things by black authors. I think yes. that definitely helps me because they put, you know, my book ended up on a lot of lists. Um, it's kind of unfortunate because now only a couple of years later, a lot of these books are being banned um, from mm. places around the country. So it's kind of a different climate now. But yeah. at that time, I was in a <laughs> more positive climate in terms of reading diverse books. Um, yes, so yes. I think that really helped my book get seen as well. Um, mm -hmm. And I don't know. And I, I think maybe it was just, again, the timing and luck. I think this was a story that people just really 
you know, maybe they just were, again, they were intrigued by this idea. It's a beautiful book from the cover to the story to the writing. And I think that once people see that and realize that there's really something magic about it, there's something unique about it that you don't see every day. And I do think that as people started to highlight, because you're not the first Side Hustle Pro guest that has said this, right? Like, oh, 2020 was a time when people actually were putting more emphasis on getting to know Black-owned businesses, Black authors, all these other things. Things. And so we could dissect and find negatives in that. However, right, yeah. the positive in it is that these de- well-deserved businesses and well-deserved authors mm-hmm. got an amplified platform. Right. And so yeah. now you have these opportunities exactly. and it, it's so well-deserved. So, all right. So now you're up to, I thought it was three books, but you're talking about one that's coming out in 2024. I thought it was, there's a book coming out in 2023, right? Yeah, so the one coming out in 2023 is the sequel to the Zoe Washington book. Um, that one comes okay. out on Valentine's Day. And then right. I'm working okay. on the fourth book that has not been announced, not been shared anywhere yet. I'm just working on it. Okay, so, okay um, got it, yeah. got it. <laughs> so, all right. So at this point, are you still working part-time or are you full-time author? So I am now a full-time author as of last Woo-hoo! June. So it's been for a few ah! months now, <laughs> which yes. has been interesting. <laughs> <laughs> what is that lifestyle like, you know, as far as the feeling of security monetary wise, like you, you get these big deals, then you write, then you have to get another big deal, right? Like how, how does it work? Yeah, it definitely is a different, it's taken some getting used to because I was, you know, I'm that kind of person who, you know, when you have that steady, you know, bi-monthly, paycheck. bi-weekly paycheck, yeah. you feel comfortable. You're like, I can know what I'm doing. This was a little bit of a scary leap to take because mm-hmm. I basically had a lot of author money saved that I was like, okay, yes. like I have enough, you know, that I can wait till the next amount that I get. And I think we'll be good. But um, part of what made me feel comfortable making the sleep was, um, well, first I was I did have these deals. And I did unfortunately get paid, you know, Harper's is paying me pretty well for my books, um, at least, you know, for a newer author. Um, uh-huh. And those payments come in, in pieces. So you don't get it all at once you get um, some of it, you know, when you sign the contract, some of it when you finish editing the book, and then some of it when the book comes out. And so it's like, okay. you get like, you potentially can get multiple payments a, over over a few years. Got but it. I also started doing a lot of school visits. Um, mm-hmm. That's kind of, and school visits, you know, they pay authors, um, schools will pay authors, authors get paid to do these visits. And so as I was doing more and more of these visits, they started out virtually. And then yes. I, and then eventually, as of last spring, started to become more in person. And now they're much more in person. Um, again, like it's another little side hustle for an author because you can do these, um, these school visits, you know, that take some of your time, but like, they're really rewarding because you get to actually chat with the kids. Um, but also like you get paid, you get compensated. So as I was getting enough of those, I started to realize like in a month, I'm making more from my school visits than my like part-time nonprofit job, you know, so it's like, (laughs) I just wasn't really making that much to begin with in that job. So I started to realize like, if I, as long as I can keep this up and that's the thing that's scary Mm -hmm. because it's like, what if I can't keep this up or what if something changes? And that was partly my husband being like, relax, just quit your job. Like he was the one who was like, (laughs) I think that's fine. Like, shout um, out to supportive husbands. I I was like, I don't know, maybe I'll wait till the end of the year. And he's like, why don't you wait? Why don't you do summer? Like, because I know summer is a busy time in the, in the job that I had yeah. previously. And so he's like, do it before it gets crazy at work. And nice. I don't know. I had to, He had to kind of push me to take the leap. But so mm-hmm. far, it's been working out fine. And I think, you know, yeah. I hope that I will continue to sell books to my publisher and get these school visits and all the other things. You know, another side hustle for authors is, too, is teaching. Like sometimes teaching uh, workshops here and there yes. or you know, um, right. you know, so like there's these little things that I've heard other authors do. Um, it's definitely yes. a, a topic of conversation in the community of yes. like, what else can you do to make money? Because the publishing deals, 
sometimes they don't always work out the, yes. you know, the timing, you know, and you might need some right. income in between those deals. So, um, yes, fortunately I'm in a good place now, but yeah, hopefully. And also being married makes a big difference. I didn't have to worry about my own health insurance. You know, like I have yes. my spouse's health insurance, things like that, that if you're a single person writer, it's a little bit harder to make that choice, you know, cause right. fortunately in this country, those kind of benefits are hard to oh. get otherwise. So, oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, and, but and yeah, entrepreneur, felt, yeah, yeah that's essentially kind of what helped me make the leap. And I'm really happy I did it. It's been a learning curve, just how to spend my time, how to figure out my time, but it's been, a, it's been rewarding. That question that you mentioned is really so important. That's the number one thing that I think you have to address before you make the leap. It's, you know, but can I keep this up? Yeah. <laughs> the, the, can I keep this up? That fear that, all right, things are good right now, but I what know. can happen? And the hard part is the reality is you never know what can happen. No one could have predicted a pandemic. Like you just never know. And I imagine that it's similar with other entrepreneurs where you have a yes. product. Like you can't control always like who buys your product, right. you know, like I can, I, I hope people will continue buying the book. And that's why I'm excited about the movie. Cause eventually if it comes out, that'll help, you know, get people continue to be excited about these books, but of you just course. never know if like eventually the books are just going to get forgotten about, or, you know, people are going to be like, never mind, I want you for my school visit. Or I mentioned the book. <laughs> banning. Fortunately, the book uh -huh. banning hasn't really affected me too much, but it's definitely a, okay. a concern, you know, that's challenges across thing. the country, like often about like, there are places that are in school districts and things that are challenging or banning books that literally mm -hmm. all it'll have is just featuring an LGBTQ or a minority character. Yeah. Like literally that's all it needs to do to fit their criteria of we don't want this. And even that's I've gotten a, a few messages world. over yeah. time of people being angry about my book. Um, not too many, fortunately, but a few people I who are you know, angry about it, the certain things that it talks about and you know, and you could tell like what their pol where their politics might lie based on their the way that they are saying it. You know, so like it's just it's unfortunate, but um, again, that's also a scary. Fortunately, it's not been affecting me too much, but I you never know what could happen. So you never it's know. A leap. But I will say, you touched on the movie, so we have to talk a little bit more about that. I need to know how does one write a book. And then, you know, now Kerry Washington is set to produce it as a movie. How does that work? So, yeah. So my literary agent at the agency, they have a film agent, but also okay. so they have a film agent department, like they have a film department. So they have agents ah. who will take books that they represent in the agency and send them out to the different people um, who work on movies, whether it's producers, directors, things like that, studios. Um, in my case, my um, agent actually decided to work with a different film um a film agent at a different bigger like agency that does a lot more film stuff and okay. this particular agent works with a lot of books to film so he started working with him um and just sent him my book and said hey like we'd love it if you could shop this around he did and um kind of similar with the book like we got an we ended up getting interest from a smaller um producer um yes. who kind of started the because that was the first interest and so we ended up, i had like a call okay. with them and they kind of talked to me about it and then that agent then kind of did similar things with the book went around and said hey we have interest from this one producer anybody else have interest and that's when Disney <laughs> was like, oh we have interest and so then they slept, slept in and um i had a call with them you know their team and this is disney channel so it'll be like a yes. disney channel original movie which is great because i feel like that's like exactly oh, the, the, the yes. that I would love to reach. So, so i had a call with their team and then the film agent was able to help negotiate the deal oh. um the way it works is they basically license 
it's like it's an they're optioning the right to the movie, which means that it's you're essentially paying you to be the only ones who can even work on it. <laughs> and then uh, okay. once they decide to make the movie, they pay you to actually buy the rights. So they have it. They're optioning the rights right now. Um, so the tough thing is that it takes such a long time. And also this yes, happened during yes. the pandemic. So right. a lot of projects have been delayed and they probably oh, yeah. have projects they have to work on now that they couldn't work on yeah. before. So I don't know the timeline, but I do know the last I heard is that they have a screenwriter working on the script. So got um, it. And I, I still coming. think it's coming. Yeah, I'm so excited. It's coming. <laughs> it's happening. There's been a few yes. like articles where like either Disney or, or Carrie Washington's mm-hmm. production company was part yeah. of the article. And at the bottom, they were like, upcoming right. projects include. And I was like, oh, it's still on there. Okay, good. I was like, because it, it is a little hard to not have any. It's hard. You get so few updates when it's, it's in limbo like this. But and my question for you is, are you ready for what's about to come? Because I feel like we're speaking now and I feel like we're speaking before a major shift in your life and career. And I could tell, like, I don't even think you've wrapped your mind, your mind no, around it. <laughs> I don't know. I see other authors who've gone through this. Yeah. I don't know if you're familiar with Angie Thomas, um, who oh, wrote no. The Hate You Give. And that was oh, a book yes, movie. Yes, yes, Yeah, yes. so, like, it's it's interesting to see, like, from... And she's even more involved in her movie. She was, like, executive producer of her movie, so she oh, was, wow. like, more involved. But it's interesting to see, like, what... I mean, I don't know that I'm on that level, but it's just like, you see what happens to them in their careers. It's very <laughs> yeah. interesting. It's cool. But, yeah, yeah, I don't know. I don't know. I... Yeah, you it's are. hard to imagine things changing. That I, I don't really know what will come, but I'm just excited that it might, it just will help me continue to be able to do what I love to do. You know, it'll continue right. to let me write books, so... And I'm just so happy that middle grade kids have something like this. Like, um, I remember reading, you know, Babysitter's Club and Nancy Drew. And you think about how non-inclusive. Exactly. Yeah. Like Sweet Valley High or something. Yeah. Sweet Valley (laughs) High that my nieces will have uh, a book and a series and now on screen, someone who represents them. I just love it. I love it. Honestly, is another thing that helps my book eventually be published because, um, there was definitely a big, a bigger movement toward adding more diversity in publishing. There's this organization yes. that came out called WeNeedDiverseBooks.org, and they were pushing the publishers to not only yes. publish diverse books, but publish diverse books by authors that share right. those identities, you know? Um, yes, and so yes. as, so people like, you know, Angie Thomas and there are other, you know, even the, in the middle grade space, other authors that came before me that, yeah. you know, were publishing books like this, I think kind of like paved the way for me to be able to do it. Um, because again, like I don't know if ten years ago a book like this would have been maybe right. it would have been felt too controversial at the time. I don't know. So um, I think we're in a place where, and also just I think more people are realizing that kids can handle these kinds of topics for yes. you know in books. It's about how you handle it, but you know right. you can have a book about topics like this for younger readers and, and yeah, have the, the conversation thing is so important. I talk about how my favorite books as a kid when I go to school visits were the Babysitters Club and how I love them. I related to them in so many ways, but that was the one way I did not relate was that. There was only one black character, and she was right. Some of the, some of the books, we all knew the black character. Yeah. Like we all knew the black minor character. character. She was not even like, and you didn't see on the cover. You know, you didn't see that. And so now nope. to, to be able to see so many more books, not just mine, like it's so great that uh-huh. our kids now, that today's youth, can see themselves. Yes. you know, represented in their books. And before we shift into the lightning round, I'd love to just touch on this idea of self-publishing again, because mm-hmm. exactly what we've just been speaking about, I think is what inspires so many people to just do it themselves. Like, I want yeah, this book exactly. out now. Um, so if you do self-publish, like how can you still kind of get brand awareness and still kind of get distribution? And can you ultimately be picked up by a publisher if you start out self-published? I have heard stories where people have self-published to start. And I think that is a very common 
thing for marginalized authors to do because they feel, I mean, it is hard to get published. And, yes. you know, sometimes, I mean, I've heard stories of, you know, um, black authors saying that they get a rejection from some publisher because they already have a book featuring a black main character on that particular list. So they don't need another one, you know, like things like that. And not yeah. even just black, it could be Indian, it could be Asian, like just any minority. They feel like for a while, right. they felt like they had to have just one is enough, you know? Um, yep. And they think that only, you know, only marginalized readers are going to read these books. Like they don't think that it's going to reach a wide audience. So uh, right. that's a problem that it, within publishing that needs to be fixed and is hopefully on its way to being fixed because there are definitely much more diverse books now. But it's hard to get published. And as a marginalized creator, you're, you, you're at a disadvantage. So yes. I can understand the reasoning for wanting to self-publish. I think... Um, I've definitely heard stories where sometimes if you self-publish and it does really well, a publisher might notice and you can and they might decide to take it on and and um, mm -hmm. and redistribute it under their branding. As for marketing, I mean, there are a lot of I just know that there's a lot of resources online about that. Yeah. Um, I have a friend who self-publishes mainly because the kind of stuff that she publishes, she does like um, like fantasy it's kind okay. of like there was this thing called new adult for a while where it's like not uh, quite adult, but not quite teen. It's like in between like 20 something characters, a lot yeah. of romance, a lot of fantasy. There's like this whole and a lot of those books are being self-published and being and doing really well. So I have a friend who publishes books like that and they do a lot of online marketing, um, you know, mm -hmm. through Amazon. There's ads you can do. There's like prom promos. You can put your book on sale. You can like put it on, you know, those kind of things like Kindle Unlimited where people yeah. can read it for free. So I think it's just a matter of finding the resources online. There's a lot of self-published mm -hmm. authors who've shared their advice. Um, and even whether it's okay. on YouTube, you can find videos where they talk about it all the time or blog posts, things like that. Um, so, yeah, it's just a matter of doing your own research because I think that's the thing, like the, the positive about being self-published is that you do have control. Um, you kind of okay. lose a lot of your control in some ways when you're right. traditionally published, you know? Um, but the money is, you, you're not guaranteed to yeah, really make that money thing. back that you invest. Okay. That's, yeah, that's the challenge is that you're not guaranteed. So I think maybe you want to make smart decisions about how much you spend on the different elements. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I think you definitely can, you know, it's possible. So just do your research. Um, but I totally get that, you know, it just it, it might make more sense for you just to put it out yourself because you don't know that it, people say things aren't marketable just because they don't yeah. understand that there's a market for they it. Don't and, you, understand. and if you understand that, then you and you can find that, you know. So and you can reach out to your own local bookstores and ask them to carry your book, you know, like you can also uh. and I think there are even distributors who will pause. I don't know how it works with distributors like who distribute okay. to all the bookstores, but in individual bookstores. I, I, you definitely can find it, especially because there are a lot of African-American bookstores across the country, too. So oh, yeah. I bet if you, you know, you could do it. I know a few time. owners, too. It's time. Yeah. Yeah. It's time to do as that. As a side but. hustler, there's, there's only so much time. That yeah, is so. the thing. And I just felt like I wanted to focus more on the writing and the yes. and less on that. So that's why for me, I can understand that was the, right, was the right move. Now, as the book was published, at what point did you get the next deal? Did you already start working on that book and have to go through the process of pitching and optioning again, or how does that work? Yeah. So the first book deal was a two book deal. So my first okay. Zoe Washington and the second one, a soft place to land, um, were part of yes. one contract. And then around the time when I was done with edits of a soft place to land but before it came out um yeah. 
I was able to pitch another book um, okay. because I wanted to work with my same editor. I was able yeah. to send like, they call it an option. So like usually in the contract, they have a thing where they get first dibs or they get to first mm-hmm. view of your next work. Anyway, they write that into the contract. Yeah. They want to make sure they get to see whatever you're working on next. And if they yes. can be the ones to say no before you send it off somewhere else. Uh-huh. But in this case, okay. um, I had come up with the sequel idea and they, and they were happy to do that. So they ended up giving me another two book deal. So I had that deal before my second book officially came okay. out, I believe. And then now I'm working on that last book and that two, that second two book deal. And I got to start thinking about what I'm going to pitch next. So it, it does, it's Ooh. like a process yeah. that keeps going <laughs> and you just keep hoping that it, you'll be able to keep doing it. This has been really educational. So we're going to do a quick lightning round before we wrap up. So you just answer the first thing that comes to mind so we can share some hot topic resources. So number one, um, what's a resource that has really helped you in your author journey that you can share with the Side Hustle Pro audience? Um, Well, I mentioned earlier the Society of Children's Book Writers and Illustrators. It's not a perfect organization. And again, like they have organizations like this for all kinds of writing. But I think if you're a writer and you can just find some sort of organization like that for newbies, for people just starting out, they have so many resources. So that's probably what I would choose. Number two, um, who is a Black woman author who you admire and why? Um, Well, I mentioned, I mentioned Andy Thomas earlier. I feel like she's just, you know, she's so wonderfully, I don't know, I just feel like she puts out amazing work. And not only that, but she also gets involved in all these different aspects of the process, like the movie, like she I feel like she's an entrepreneur in like, and, but she's also a crazy talented writer. Um, there's so many others. Um, I, I, we'll just go with her for now. Because there's so we'll many just go with her. That's okay. um, <laughs> Number three, what is a non negotiable part of your day? Um, coffee. keep up with this life children okay number four what is a personal habit that significantly helped you with your author journey i think um it's something i'm constantly working on but just coming up with some sort of routine for myself this is what's been the most challenging about switching to not working you know having another job in addition to this i think it's about coming up with routines so I can hold myself accountable for my day and make sure I'm getting the work done and things like that. So it's setting up little things for myself throughout the day that I can like checkpoints for myself, whether it's lists or, you know, like saying, okay, I want to get this much done by this time, something, you know, something to kind of get me going. And then finally, um, what's your parting advice for fellow women side hustlers who want to pursue their dream, but are scared about losing that steady paycheck? Yeah. I mean, I totally get the losing of the steady paycheck. I think as long as you can try, I guess, your best to do it while you have another job, if you can, um, find time to squeeze it in amongst other work um, so that you don't have to feel that stress. I think that's the one thing. It it can feel more stressful. Writing loses a little bit of its joy when you're doing it as a job because now I have to make make sure that what I'm producing is going to help me sell the next book versus before it was more fun and more of like an escape at the end of my day. So I can understand, you know, so in some ways, embrace the fact that if you can have it as a side hustle for now and you're not relying on it fully for income, you can take more risks, maybe take more chances because you have that thing to fall back on. But keep going no matter what. I mean, that's my always that's always my number one um, piece of advice in general is just to keep going, keep trying new things. If something's not working and then yes. rely on get your community, too, because um, they'll help you, you know, for me, a writing community definitely helped me get to where I am today. So whatever community you're part of, whatever your your creative thing is, um, find your community too because they'll help you 
through that journey, however long it may take. <laughs> yes, yes. That, you know, that's such an important reminder that, you know, so many people, we start out and we're thinking, okay, I'm onto something. I can't wait to make money from this. But you're right. You lose a little bit of the carefree creativity yeah. aspect it's once it's fun. a job. Yeah, it's, but it's a job. Yeah. And it's still fun. But yeah. yeah, you lose you lose that initial, just, I guess, the naiveness of it or just, yeah, the carefreeness. Yeah. So enjoy it. Enjoy it yeah. while it's in that stage too. And don't just be hyper-focused. Exactly. Like I look back at how I was writing those earlier books that didn't get published or even Zoe before it got published. And it was such a joyful time. I love, you know, and now it's a little yeah. bit more stressful when I have to sit down, yeah. you know? You have deadlines. And it's because it's a job. And I know that like it, there's stakes involved now that yes. didn't exist like before. So I think don't be afraid, I guess, to have that. Keep the side hustle aside thing for as long as, until you feel comfortable because yes. worrying about money, it's going to take away the joy of whatever it is you're oh, doing. Yes. So you don't want to worry. Oh, yes. You know, you want to get to a point where you can just do whatever you're doing and not have to worry about how you're going to pay your mortgage or your rent. You know, right. like you want to be able to do both. Absolutely. So where can people connect with you and get all your books after this episode? Um, yeah, you can find my website is JanaeMarks.com. Um, there you can find the social media links. Basically, I'm at, I'm at Janae Marks Books on pretty much all the ones um, that I'm on, like Twitter and Instagram. <laughs> um, we'll, we'll link to like all of them. But yeah, so JanaeMarks.com, you can find out all the links to the book's descriptions and everything are, are there as well. All right. And there you have it. Hey guys, thanks for listening to Side Hustle Pro. If you like the show, be sure to subscribe, rate, and review on Apple Podcasts. It helps other side hustlers just like you to find the show. And if you want to hear more from me, you can follow me on Instagram at Side Hustle Pro. Plus, sign up for my six-foot Saturday newsletter at sidehustlepro.co slash newsletter. When you sign up, you will receive weekly nuggets from me, including what I'm up to, personal lessons, and my business tip of the week. Again, that's sidehustlepro.co slash newsletter to sign up. Talk to you soon. Hey folks, I'm Mark Marin from the WTF podcast. And this episode is brought to you by Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues, your ally to help tackle your allergy symptoms this season. I love the change of seasons, but nobody loves pollen and all those other things floating in the air that make you sneeze during this nice weather. Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues are hypoallergenic and allergist approved. So fight back against watery eyes and runny noses without worrying about irritating your skin. For this allergy season, grab Kleenex and face allergies head on. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM.